Well, good morning, good evening, good night, whenever you're listening. This is Daniel Carpio of the Inscriber Digital Magazine, and I'm going to be recording right now one of two episodes relating to the news, biggest news that happened in WWE in this month. I would have talked about them a couple weeks ago, but my work schedule didn't allow it to. Now, I'm going to tackle the biggest one first. And that is obviously the fear that has been installed in most of the wrestling world because of a Wall Street Journal article, part of it, article involving Vince McMahon and a potential return to power in WWE. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you probably understand the situation that has happened in 2022 when it comes to Vince McMahon. Started out the year fully in control, CEO, chairman, head of creative for WWE. Everything went through him. And obviously it didn't it wasn't looking good for the most part the creative was terrible the 2022 Royal Rumble was probably among the worst that's going to be uh, seen in hindsight (laughs) and just a general direction in some of the areas were bad but it was what we all expected because Frank's man was in charge and we all pretty much thought that the only way he was ever going to leave power in WWE was if he died. When he either he died running raw, he died running SmackDown, he you it would have to be death. And then close to the middle of the year, the Wall Street Journal broke stories from mobbing around hush money payments that were made by McMahon to various women when it came to a lot of issues, sexual misconduct. The one that really, the one that opened up the door was this affair that he had with a woman that worked as a paralegal who he apparently gave to John Laurinaitis, quote unquote, like a toy. That opened the floodgates, and initially Vince was gonna try to fight it right out. He even showed up on an episode of SmackDown just to say, like, "Hey, I'm here. We're WWE together forever." Just like a show, just like a big fuck you to the charges. But then, at a certain point, he put out. He said, "77 years old. It's time for me to retire." And that was him retiring from all roles in WWE as head of creative, as chairman, as CEO. And obviously his daughter, Stephanie, and Nick Khan were put in as co-CEOs. And this is like Stephanie at first of the year stepping away from being the chief branding officer of WWE. And initially stepping away, some people were saying, well, she was being forced to step away 
But when this came out, she got put in as interim CEO. Just as a placeholder, we all pretty much figured that it was going to replace Holder. Vince was doing all the decisions. And then when he was retired, she got permanent for CEO. And who took over creative was Paul Triple H of X, Stephanie's husband. And the person that unfortunately has been out of the picture, A, because of a cardiac event that happened that ends up having him not only have a retirement competition, but also now has him with a defibrillator in his chest. That's one. But two is somebody in, in Triple H that really, unfortunately, fell down in the power scope because NXT, which was his toy, not, not so much his toy, it was his baby, didn't kill AEW in the Wednesday Night Wars. And if he was being punished for that by mass releases by a lot of the team that he built that he figured would be helping him run WWE from a creative standpoint they left or were fired by Vince and were put in and replaced by Vince McMahon yes man well what started the the, the fervor after this was obviously two weeks ago the Wall Street Journal came out with an article a new article stating that because of laws that were recently passed and made in, um, made into law in New York and California two more cases, well one is an old case that with involving, I forgot the name of the woman who was a referee in WWE in the 80s who accused Vince McMahon of raping her in limousine, I think, in 1991. And another one, being somebody that worked at a massage parlor, Vince pulled a Robert Kraft, and Apparently, at a certain point, the husband found out and he tried to fight Vince. And the, I don't know if he went to the arena or if he went to the headquarters, but he he went with a bat. The meat of the article from the Wall Street Journal was involving that these two women, because of these laws, they were able to seek restitution. They were able to seek more damages from Vince and that Vince is refusing to pay them. That's the meaning of the article. But everybody fixated on this one section of the article that said, I'm not quoting the article for reading because I haven't I don't have it in front of me, but it pretty much said sources close to Vince McMahon have also spoken that he is planning to come back to WWE saying that he got bad advice when he was told that he should retire and now he thinks that the whole thing would have blown over such a misconduct he would have written out and everything would have been fine 
that's where things are bad things in this situation. Now, when this came out, I put out, myself put out a series of tweets pretty much agreeing with a lot of the sentiment that everybody else is experiencing. Where everybody just pretty much said a collective no. No. It doesn't matter what language. Okay. I can say, I'm going to read one now in Spanish that was actually have here in front of me. It's from an account called Luigi Wrestling on Twitter. I'm going to read it in Spanish, folks. So I'll, I'll, I'll translate it for you later on. Según la firma Jimmy Jacobs, antiguo creativo de WWE, Mr. Man estuvo a punto de despedir a un creativo de la empresa por no tocar la puerta antes de entrar. Además, señala que en el intercambio de ideas con Triple H es mucho más fluido que con Vince. No, no puede volver. The translated is this. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs, who was a producer who helped write WWE before and who was one of the people that I think Triple H was going to lean on to fire, but he ultimately got released. He says about an incident that he says, according to Jimmy Jacobs, Vince McMahon was at a point that he was going to dismiss a writer or producer from the company for not knocking on the door prior to coming in. On top of that, he's signaling that the exchange of ideas with Triple H is a lot more fluid than with Vince. No, he cannot come back. That's been the pretty much the sentiment that has been happening around when it comes to Vince McMahon and the idea of him coming back. What I put out on Twitter and I, and I said of myself is that because he is still, Vince McMahon is still the majority shareholder of the stocks that actually have power in WWE. He has the machinations, he likely has the machinations in place where he can come back into power. But, and this is the one area where probably most of us agreed, the people that are probably telling him that he got bad advice are his yes-men which are at this point Bruce Pritchard and Kevin Dunn. And they're the ones that probably told Vince, you are WWE. Watch, you try to come back. They're going to welcome you. They're going to roll out the red carpet for you. This would have been blown over. This would have just been a blip in your radar. I and, and pretty much almost everybody that's been involved in the business world, in the wrestling world, pretty much says the exact opposite. When I put it out on Twitter, I said that 
the process for Vincent coming back, it wouldn't be quick. It would, the process would be long. The process would be ugly. And the process would do irreparable damage to WWE. Now, I'm going to go over quickly now the ones that would be long and the ugly parts because they tie in together really, really, really neatly. (laughs) Because the main thing would be for Vince to come back into power as WWE is a publicly traded company. Yes, we, we can have the debate of whether it actually is a publicly traded company because of the way the stocks have been structured. But as it stands, it's a publicly traded company, meaning they have a board. Vince coming back. It, it's not as simple as him showing back up in Titan Towers, going to the offices. Hey, I'm here. I'm back. It doesn't work that way with that board. With a board like that. The board has to vote him back to power. And. If you check out the subsequent articles. In both mainstream and wrestling media afterwards. It does not sound like that board does want him back. At all. Like corporate morale. In general has been has gone up leaps and bounds in WWE since Vince left. Vince coming back would have to be in the process where he would have to, as that majority shareholder, fire that board. And then from firing that board he would have to put in install people in the new board that would obviously be only loyal to him. And then that board would then in turn fire Stephanie, his, his daughter, Nick Khan, Triple H, and then they would reinstall him back into power. Now, if you want to see a PG, interesting enough, a PG version of that power play. Watch HBO Succession. Now, HBO Succession is a great show. Great soundtrack. And technically, it's supposed to mimic the Murdoch family (laughs) and what's happening when it comes to Fox News in that front and what they own. But it also fits very, very well with the way WWE is run. And they have an old man in that show who does not want to let go of power, has been removed from power before, but has found, always found the way to come back to power. But that's a PG version of what would happen in WWE events comes back the way he has to come back because it would take a very very long it would take a long time for him to do it and this is the part where it also ties in with comes very ugly and where the succession comparisons really come in 
because him coming back in the way he has to come back in that would mean public battles with his daughter Stephanie because I don't think Stephanie at this stage now now that she has become the CEO now that she has become the fake one of the corporate faces of WWE not just the face like Vince and the business world actually likes her I don't think she would go out without a fight a very bitter fight Nick Khan is probably thinks in the same way because Nick Khan comes from the world of agency he was one of the top dogs in CA before WWE scooped him up in fact he was the person that negotiated the Fox deal I think um, for WWE through CA so TA being creative arts agency so he would probably not go out quietly the only person I'm, I want to say go out quietly but it wouldn't make much of a noise would be Triple H that's mainly because of his health but it would be very, very ugly because Vince pulling that move and would automatically likely trigger lawsuits from the rest of the shareholders that WWE has outside of Kevin Dunn and the McMahon family. We have to remember, like, WWE has been sued already by shareholders. It's something that caps all the time when it comes into firms that represent pension funds normally. They're the ones that should do suit. But now, in this case, it would be everybody because now you now you're really messing with their money. Because this is what happens. From the moment that Vince retired up to this point, WWE stock has gone up in value pretty well. And that actually dispelled one of the big rumor, one of the big worries, actually. And one of the main talking points that Vince has tried to implement about him leaving, which is that him no longer running WWE would cause a lack of confidence in the business world and then the stock would fall because they would because Vince McMahon would would be seen as the only stabilizing force obviously like I just mentioned the opposite has happened WWE (laughs) stock has only gone up and the main times that it has gone down is the very second that that part of the Wall Street article came out saying that, oh yeah, Vince said that he wants to come back. That's when the stock went down like I think 1 or 2%. 
Vince coming back the way he has to come back would do catastrophic damage to that stock. And the only way that would actually be able to avoid some type of lawsuits if, is if Vince found a hedge fund and bought every one of those, everybody else out and made the company private. But at a certain point, that does one, that does two things. Number one, yeah, it'll hide the losses of money that you're probably going to have because those losses are still going to happen. You're probably going to be dealing with an investigation for the Securities Exchange Commission. Okay, that's three things. Sorry, instead of two and three things. And I said, those, law, those losses will still happen in... Obviously, now you're going to have the government looking at you. And the third thing would be, this is probably the main reason why it was also happened, is it goes against Vince's pathological need to be accepted by that business world. Because if you look at the history of Vince McMahon, and if you understand the moves that he's made after pretty much killing off the territories is that Vince McMahon is a wrestling promoter that does not want to be known as a wrestling promoter. He wants to be known as an entrepreneur. He wants to be known as something else, not a wrestling promoter. He doesn't want to be famous for being a wrestling promoter, even though that's what he's going to be famous for. And He's going to be known for that because every other major business venture that he has gone into outside of wrestling has fallen apart. Obviously, the biggest one being an XFL. It, when it failed twice. First, it doesn't one because it just didn't work. And then the second one because the pandemic wound up killing the second go-round for the XFL. Now, the, we know the XFL... Is going to come back, but it's not a Vince-owned entity anymore. It is owned by Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and his ex-wife. But the XFL is just a pillar of, of Vince wanting the business world to accept them as an entrepreneur. But the only thing he's been successful at is being a wrestling promoter. So he would undo, he would lose that recognition. He would be dealing with heavy lawsuits, and he would probably be dealing with a government investigation into the entire situation because they were already starting to look at him because of the hush money payments that he was making. The thing that drove him to retirement, but. Like I said, that's the damage that happens in the business side. Because that's damage that can go for years. But it would be irreparable. Then you have the damage that would happen on the talent and creative side. 
because even though I think we're probably past the real honeymoon picture, honeymoon period, Triple H, as head of creative and head of talent relations, even with that honeymoon period being pretty much a little bit over with, is still playing with house money as far as good faith with the fan base and good faith with writers, good faith with producers, good faith in corporate and good faith with the talent and the fans. And that's not something that's going to go that would go away dramatically unless Vince came back. Because one of the things that Triple H has done, and it is one of the things that people are starting to criticize him for, but it also couples him with the fact that Triple H has to undo decades of rot, of creative rot that WWE has had festering because of Vince. He has to fix that along with doing what he's trying to do at the same time. I understand why he's getting criticized the way he's getting criticized. But I understand also the reason why he's he's doing what he's doing. One of the things that Triple H has been doing is bringing back a lot of talent that were released either by budget cuts or were just or were, or just got a raw deal from Vince. When he was running creative. I'll go off some of the names that come on top of my head because there's been a lot. <laughs> Dakota Kai. Io Shirai, now Io Sky. Johnny Gargano. Candice LeRae. Dexter Loomis. Tegan Knox. Camille Dashwood, well, she's obviously known as Emma in WWE. Camille Dashwood. Braun Strowman. And most recently now, Bronson Reed, also known as Jonah. Now, that's just some of the people that he's, that Triple H has brought back in. I even forgot to mention the names like Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Mia Yim in some of the areas like there's been a lot of names that have come back under Triple H and a lot of the news, like I said, a lot of things that those have in common is they were released either because of budget cuts or they were really screwed over by Vince I mentioned with with Dakota Kai Dakota Kai had, before she got released, she had some dark matches on Raw and SmackDown. Those are, when she was still in NXT, those are normally the trial runs that you're going to have. You have that. And, but Vince didn't, but Vince didn't, think that she wasn't worth anything so he released her Io Shirai was pretty much out the door 
most people thought she was going to be the people most most people pegged her as going back to Japan going back to stardom obviously I think she's still I don't know if she's married or if she's still engaged to evil from New Japan but obviously there was a lot of things that would tell you yeah she's going back to Japan obviously that didn't happen Johnny Gargano and Ken Zori, particularly Gargano is seen as one of the templates that Triple H was able to build NXT around in the Black Gold era and that he came back when almost everything would tell you that he should be going to AEW. Same thing with Candice LeRae. Granted, they said they essentially they take paternity leave for their son Quill. But there's that. that there's people that brought in. Oh yeah, Hit Row. Hit Row was. Oh, they were really done dirty by Vince. And granted, yeah, only three fourths of them are back. But think about it. They were brought back up from the main roster. They were literally there for a month and then they all got released. They were really done dirty by Vince. But those are just some of the people that were being brought in. And you're trying to rebuild them when it comes to the Vince. Like, even people that you think wouldn't be Triple H guys, like Braun. Say what you want about Braun. Yeah, he is a very much an idiot when it comes to social media. But you cannot you cannot really say that he ain't over with the WWE fan base. He's over with that fan base. And now they have them in this interesting angle where he's technically partners with he's technically technically partner with Ricochet. After he came out with another dumbass social media post about flippy guys. They were like, okay, we're well, gonna work with a flippy guy. And now you're gonna make it work. He somehow he's making it work. He's making it work. I don't know how, but he's making it work. But those are things that would probably never happen if Vince was back in power. I'll name you the two. Two of the three of the biggest creative ideas right now that WWE has will never be greenlit under Vince. On SmackDown, and there's two of them, obviously. The first one obviously involves the return of Bray Wyatt. He came back and they actually tied it in very well with a social media campaign involving White Rat or song White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. The song was was being played tremendously throughout. Throughout on live shows, along with lighting. You had QR codes that were following that people were deciphering and you saw videos, every it, it was for something that, yeah, that could be seen as data, it was still ahead of its time in the wrestling industry. And ultimately led to extreme rules where 
pray while he came back. And yet, most of the thing is dragging now because you didn't see him wrestle. Well, we haven't seen him wrestle on TV. He apparently wrestled on Monday night as part of the holiday tour that WWE has every year at the Madison Square Garden. He wrestled Jinder Mahal. And I saw that like from both YouTube and from my best friend who was actually at the show. That comeback would never have happened probably if Vince was still in charge. Because that was one of the more shocking releases that happened in 2021. That's one thing. Like we, we need to see where this goes because him, LA Knight, they're 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 doing something. They're doing something pretty interesting. But that's one sort of night. The second one, it's probably the biggest one. This is one they're going to have to talk to later again, later in the week when it comes into the review for WWE 2022 is the bloodline. Roman Reigns, Usos, Solo Sokoa, same as Zayn. First, it was the additions of Sami Zayn and then later Solo Sokoa that have revitalized group the bloodline because yeah Roman has both world titles and Usos have both the tag titles that does unfortunately tie up a lot of titles under one area but with the addition of, of Solo Sokoa you have an enforcer but then Sami Zayn Sami Zayn's contribution to the bloodline and what I'm seeing happen with Sami Zayn WWE would never probably have been happened under Vince. And uh, it's a little, uh, I'll say a little bit of a preview when it comes to the WWE review for the year. Sami Zayn is at the point where he's getting to the point or he is already at a point where he is going to be WWE's fourth accidental major baby face of this era that they can't deny like uh, Daniel Bryan Daniel Bryan uh, Bryan Danielson he was he was the first one. He's the one that laid the template out with the Yes movement. And then you had Kofi Kingston Kofi Mania with Kofi Mania you have Becky Lynch and now you, you in reality you have Sami Zayn now. But his involvement in the bloodline revitalized the group and in my eyes he, he's turned the bloodline babyface. Even though we all know as wrestling fans that they're gonna turn on Sammy, they are going to do it. It's not gonna be seen anymore from a point of cynicism. Like, oh yeah, they're just gonna turn on him. You see, it's what it's gonna do. There's actual now investment into it. You see it, and I like, the, you see it when fans talk about, like, yeah, 
We know it's coming. We know it's coming. It's going to suck. It's going to suck to do it. But then at that point, then Sammy has to be the one to take down Roman. He has to be the one to take down Roman. There's now an emotional investment when it comes to Sammy because of his creative talents that have only been allowed to shine this much brighter in their couple H than things. And on the Raw side, they do have something. They have the Judgment Day. Yeah, the Judgment Day was a group that started on their beds. And apparently they were going to do a lot of supernatural stuff that apparent that Edge said no to, and that's the reason he got dropped there. But the way Triple H has revitalized the group. With first, like, making sure that Finn Balor got in, got in the group and pushing him. Even though he's not winning all the time, but he's being rebuilt back up. And you can see Damian Priest being built into that, into another singles force. Rhea Ripley's a star. She's always been a star. She's only going to be a bigger star as it goes in. And now then you have an addition of Dominic Mysterio. Somebody who was blander than Wonder Bread. <laughs> because he didn't have the season coming up through NXT. He got straight put, put into the main roster. And as a babyface, it didn't work. Like I said, he was as bland as Wonder Bread. But him turning heel and him going to the Judgment Day... Like the, he gets massive heat. And it's not even X-Pac heat. It's not X-Pac heat where you just want him to have No, it's genuine actual heel heat. And the things that they're doing in social media with them are amazing. You've had two episodes now on social media where Dominic and Rhea go to the Mysterios' house for the holidays. First of Thanksgiving where it winds up where Dominic either hitting that thing with a kendo stick or a crutch raised broken foot. <laughs> and then this one recently obviously Christmas where they show up Dominic's mom winds up slapping Rhea but Dominic gets arrested. <laughs> it's it's just beautiful. It's just things like that. That would never probably have been shown under Vince. That gives people that confidence when it comes to talent and with the direction that creative WWE is going. And that falls into the writers as well. The writers obviously were writing only for one man for Vince, but now they're starting to write for the audience again. And then you. You have that. You have producers now that can be a little bit more free thinking to how they want to put together matches. You have talent doing a little bit more freedom when it comes to wanting to work. If you now going again to Rare Ripley, like I said she technically had an intergender match last week with Akira Tozawa. Where it was unheard of. You wouldn't think it was going to be unheard of or just a parody, but it's happened. And it's 
that rebuilding that you have with your talent, that you have with the fans that are now being invested more into the product, the ticket sales are speaking to that. And like I said, the good faith that Triple H has with everybody now, that Stephanie's rebuilding with the business world, that Nikon is rebuilding with the business world. That's, like I said, the other factor that gets immediately destroyed should Vince come back into power. Because all those talent that Triple H brought back, they're going to be worried about their characters being stagnated. They're going to be worried about being given, once again, a, a real hard script to do their promos on. They're going to be worried about the fact that the scripts for the shows are going to probably going to be rewritten again, like constantly throughout the show. And obviously going to be worried about being mass released. You cannot have, you're not going to be able to go into that environment, especially then going into 2024. 2024 is a year where it's a very impactful year. A lot of contracts for a lot of companies WWE, AEW, New Japan, a lot of companies are going to be up. And particularly with AEW, a lot of the talents that you would think you would have a chance with, they might just stay. Because they'll see, oh, Vince comes back? Then a lot of the creative issues that they benefited from, that AEW benefited from, suddenly come back. And they stay be and they stay with AEW. That's one aspect that where the damage would be pretty much irreparable at a certain point. Because there's only so much that you can do with a talent with a talent base, a writer base, a corporate base, and a general public base that you can do. Once they've seen a world where you have been removed from the equation, and this is also the key part where a lot of people, there's been some people that have openly tried to say, I told you so, that they always believed that Vince would always come back. Like the, the one that comes right into my head is a YouTuber by the name of BC Amplified. Where he pretty much said like everything's gonna be window dressing, everything's gonna blow over, and when they think it's gonna blow over, this is just gonna waltz back in and be back in power. Here's the main thing that <laughs> those people that are thinking that way don't take into the account is that. The world, both the wrestling world, the business world, and the general public has now seen a WWE product function without Vince McMahon at the top. And they like that product. They have faith in that product. Him coming back would undo a lot of that faith. And it would leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. Like, there, there's a reason why I call Vince's comeback Trumpian on Twitter. 
because it reminds me a lot of what Trump is trying to do now with this current presidential campaign. Trying to retake full-blown power in the Republican Party in the time period where he's no longer been the leader of the party politically as far as an elected official, but also the fact that he the the candidates that he endorsed and the candidates that he was pushing turned an election that was supposed to be a bloodbath into an election where Republicans barely control the House. Like, the main reason they control the House is because New York Democrats screwed up the districting so badly. And on top of that, you have a Senate election where Republicans not only didn't gain Senator, they actually lost the seat in Pennsylvania. Except that it's... But Trump is trying to come back into this picture in a Republican Party that wants to move on from him for his own personal reasons. Because A, his ego, and B, because he got told if he's a presidential candidate, they won't try to prosecute him. They won't try to push charges on him for the things that he's done. A scenario that is looking less likely by the day. And Vince's comeback reminds me of that exact same scenario where the main flaw that he probably figured is because (coughs) is because A... People haven't talked about the sexual allegation, allegations in the six in the time period where he retired up to now. And B hasn't really dominated WWE's landscape. But here's where Vince and a lot of people get around. The reason it hasn't factored in WWE because he removed himself from the equation. By retiring, you don't have to talk about like, oh, WWE because it's in battle, Vince and that because he removed himself from the equation. Him jumping back into power only really puts him back into that equation. <clears throat> it puts a company back into that equation. It wouldn't go, it would just bring it all back. Like I mentioned, the government would be looking at WWE again. And that's, I think, where my personal belief in this instance is that Vince will probably try to come back, but there will be enough forces, particularly corporate forces, outside of WWE that will flat out tell him, if you come back, we do not want to do business with you. If you come back, We're not breaking bread. And the big ones would be Comcast, Fox, Mattel, 
2K. Like a lot of the companies come in and be like, no, we, we do not want to work with you if you come back. And they're big enough to say, to sway his opinion that front because the worst case scenario of Vince coming back in would be him selling WWE and him selling it at cents to the dollar, not pennies to the dollar. There was a belief that WWE was going to be sold because when Nikon was brought in. But you normally want to be sold as a company to make a really, really good profit, to overvalue it. That probably wouldn't happen. In this case, with Vince back in charge. But my personal opinion is that unless he's that vindictive, unless he's that big that he sees the wrestling world pretty much not only move away from him, but gladly move away from him. Unless he's that good and that vindictive. Once he's really shown that he's not wanted back, he'll probably step back. Because at the end of the day, it is a company that he took from a territory to the biggest wrestling product on the planet, but it is still his father's legacy. And it's still the legacy you probably want to leave on to your kids, his kids, and his grandkids. That's a big word. We're gonna end this episode on that. But like I said, thank you for joining. Thank you for listening in. I'm gonna record another episode right now immediately after this, but it's gonna be dealing with the other big news that WWE had this month, and that is the firing of Mandy Rose and all that it entails. But as I'm dropping that. Immediately after this episode, everybody have a safe holidays. Please bundle up. Please protect yourselves. Good night. Good evening. Good day, wherever you are. Daniel from the Inscribed Digital Magazine. Sign out.